As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, all and welcome to Monday night's all meta mode podcast with Gypsy, myself, Amanda Digger de and our special guest tonight is Steve Moore. Woo. Um, all right. Before we get started with the show, a reminder, June's issue of Dirt Digest magazine is available at dirtdigestmagazine.com. This is an online monthly treasure hunting magazine. So to check out J- June's issue of Dirt Digest, go to dirtdigestmagazine.com and click on current issue. All right, on to the show. Hey, Gypsy, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Good. Got You've been out. able to get out this week? Yeah, I got out for a little bit. I ended up, um, we had some definite heat and humidity, and most of my fields are now up past my knee. <laughs> so I <laughs> I skipped out on detecting this weekend and actually did some uh, river walking and mudlarking and stayed by the river because it was definitely nice there. And... Um, yeah. So what all did you find? Uh, let's see. I think I got about three marbles, one clay marble, um, a clay pipe stem, some, um, I got a couple bottles. I got a three-in-one oil, which is like an 1894 to 1899 um, bottle, which is pretty cool. And then I did Ooh. find a clock piece that says... Mummery, <laughs> Dover, and then has a serial number. So I'm still doing. Have some... you looked up the serial number? I haven't. I'm I've been slacking, <clears throat> so I need to definitely look into it just a little bit more. Um, but I've gotten a lot of hints. I know a lot of um, friends and and followers have done some research and and sent me links and PDFs. So thank you all for that. And I need to definitely sit down and, and take a look but 
Yeah, other than that, no, it was a pretty quiet weekend. Hopefully get back to detecting this week. How about yourself? Have you, uh, I, I think you got out this weekend too, didn't you? I did. I was able to get out several times. And um, as most of you know, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, testing the uh, brand new Ace Apex uh, by Garrett. And um, I've taken it to several different places. One uh, yesterday, I just took it to um, a local place where it is loaded, loaded with trash. Uh, But I was actually able to pop out two interesting finds yesterday, so I was excited about that Mm -hmm. because this is a place that I've pounded, other detectorists have pounded, and uh, so I was really excited about that. But more excitingly, I found my first coin uh, with the Apex, and my very first coin was an 1897 Indian pin. So that was really exciting. Nice. My first relic, it was actually my third target at that same location where I found the Indian head. Um, I got a um, eagle eye uh, infantry cuff button. So I was super ecstatic about that. Um, and then um, uh, the second location this week, um, I was detecting an area, and I got my first silver coin uh, with the Apex, and it was 1907 Barber Dime. Nice. And um, I got, I guess, my favorite find, because this was kind of a bucket lister for me. Uh, I've always wanted, I found plenty of toy guns and stuff like that, but I found the bottom frame, uh, which would be the trigger guard, uh, frame plus the handle part of a Colt 18, 1851 Navy iron strap revolver, uh, which was actually made in 1857. So um, it's considered rare. I was able to trace that through uh, Colt by using the um, um, serial number. There's a serial number on the bottom of the, uh, right above the trigger guard and was able to trace that. So that's been really exciting. Uh, I was super ecstatic about that find. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I uh, got some other places planned out to go test it. Uh, unfortunately, right now with COVID, uh, not getting to do much traveling at all, um, but doing the best we can under these circumstances, that's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely not making it easy. That's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. As you well know, at least you got some warmer weather. I know you've been experiencing snow <laughs> recently, and then now it's, it's starting to, you're starting to see the, the flowers and, and, and the sun and getting humid and warm. So that's at least exciting. Yeah. So. It's wacky because tonight we're getting a frost. So they said, bring in your plants. If you planted, cover them up. (laughs) Oh, boy. So you never know. It changes. (laughs) It changes. Never know with this weather, especially lately. That's for sure. Yep. So, Gypsy, you want to introduce our special guest? Sure. Um, So tonight we have... Steve Moore, most of you know Steve Moore from uh, Garrett Metal Detectors. He's the head of uh, the marketing. I'll let him explain more of that later. But um, welcome, Steve. Welcome to All Metal Mode Podcast. Hey, thank you, Gypsy. Thank you, Amanda. Pleasure to be here with you guys to talk tonight. 
Great having you. We're so happy to have you. Yes, thank you. Um, I know, Steve, you've been super bombarded lately ever since the reveal of the APEC, but we are happy to have you here. And we want to take a little different angle tonight. Uh, what we would like to do is get to know you better on a personal level and um, ask you some questions. And then we'll kind of hang on to the very end. And uh, so those of you that are in the chat, I know some of you um, are got questions for Steve and I since we've been testing the Apex, but we want to hold those questions till the end and get to know Steve better. So, um, Amanda, do you have the first question? I do. So what got you interested in the hobby and got you started with metal detecting? Well, probably my first exposure to metal detectors was, I want to say, somewhere in the 1970s, 1980s. I had a cousin that had one of those. And honestly, you know, we just played around with it, me and a couple of the other cousins, and checked it out. And ironically enough, it was a Garrett detector. And uh, many, many years later, one of my cousins came back around and brought it to me at Garrett to see if we still wanted it. And it was in, like, pristine condition because the guy was a fanatic and he took good care of it and changed out the batteries. But uh, it, it was many years later. Uh, I guess it's going on about 15 years ago um, in the mid-1990s, somewhere in there, where I had the chance to come over to Garrett. And really it was just a change of occupations. Uh, something came up with my last job where the business was – being bought out and changed out, and the powers that be were switching out all the people, so everybody had to scramble to look for jobs. And I talked to the Garrett several times, and uh, it just ended up being kind of a cool place because uh, Charles and Eleanor Garrett, you know, we kind of found out we had a lot of similarities. Um, I'd spent a lot of time in East Texas. I'd grown up for a few years in a town called Lufkin. Well, the Garretts have a lot of family there. They have houses, and they've lived in Lufkin. They've got a lot of land in a couple of particular counties in East Texas where my family had land, had ancestors and relatives. Uh, Mr. Garrett liked being outdoors and being adventurous. He was an author and a writer. I'm kind of the same thing. Mrs. Garrett had a huge love for Texas history in particular with all the uh, Yellow Rose and all the groups that she's been part of, including Daughters of the Revolution, Daughters of the Republic of Texas and all that. So we hit it off real big. And I eventually just ended up coming to work there, and uh, I had no idea, you know, here's a metal detector. I hadn't seen one in years. And uh, one of the first things Mr. Garrett wanted me to do was to really get out and, and get with the people and, and ask me if it was okay if I travel and, and did some outdoor events. And I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and went, really? He's asking me if I want to go outside and hang out and be outdoors. I'm like, yes, sir, I can handle that. That's not a problem. And uh, he kind of made it known that the way he's done it for years was you've got to be with the people, you've got to be around the detectorists, whether they're using your brand or not using your brand, to see what do they like, what do they want, what do they not like. So he said, you know, being in the field is key to understanding, you know, what you can do better or what you're not doing well enough. And uh, he said, I want you to, you know, periodically, at least several times a year, be out and about travel somewhere and go to the field. So uh, my first trip when I got to Garrett was uh, going to Idaho, you know, looking for some gold, doing some panning, uh, doing some hardcore relic hunting, and I think I tested every machine we had on that trip. <laughs> so it was good, okay. and I learned a lot. We hiked way back on these old streams to where the old uh, 
miners would be, and they'd have the the Chinese labor, and you know you look for the little Chinese coins, and you find the little pipes and stuff like that that those guys would smoke. So it was a learning experience, but uh, I guess that's a long roundabout answer for how did I get into metal detecting and kind of how I got into Garrett. So uh, hopefully I didn't get into your second and third question already, Amanda. <laughs> That's okay. That's interesting that you said Lufkin. Uh, I lived in Lufkin. Uh, as you know, Steve, uh, born and raised in Texas and lived in Texas all my life except for one other state for just a short while. But my brother was born in Lufkin. And uh, it's interesting that you talked about Lufkin. Um, but um, what was I getting at? Uh, the... Uh, it, it's interesting and, and ironic, like you said, that that first detector that you had te- or used was a Garrett. Um, so once you got, you know, started working for Garrett and you were able to get out and test different models, was there a certain uh, detector that stands out over the years that you've used or maybe you found something really amazing with that detector is there anything like that or any story like that you would like to share with us yeah i mean i've found things with all the detectors we make now and the detectors we made you know 14 15 years ago and i've played around and hunted with some of the ones we don't make anymore just to be familiar with them there's obviously a lot of them garrett's made you know in the 55 56 years we've been around that i never did get a chance to test out but um there's different things about different ones. You know, I, I ran around with the H250 just to get my, you know, understanding of how things worked and all the basics. But I loved a lot of those, what I call the green machines, uh, some of the GTI, GTA. Um, I like the 1500 and the 2500. Uh, one of my first uh, trips where I was digging Civil War relics, uh, a friend invited us up to Kentucky and uh, had the 2500 so you could kind of see the size of the targets and after I dug some mini balls and buttons, I kind of started to realize about where they'd hit and what kind of size they'd show on that scale. And so we hunted, and uh, he actually had us camp out on the property. He said, is that cool if we camp out here? I've got tents and all this. And I'm looking around like, I'm not going to complain about this. So we hung out and, you know, had our food and stuff around the fire, and and we're sitting there, I don't know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and I'd had a blast just digging mini balls on this hill and on this big farm. And this guy, Dave, looked at me and said, hey, man, I'm going to go up there and dig some more. Do you care? Would you be mad? Because i got backlights on this machine. I'm like, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Can I go with you? <laughs> and long story short, we went up there and started digging mini balls on the top of this hill. And I don't think we came back down until about 1.30 in the morning. So probably any machine yeah. we've got, I could tell you a story about it, you know, going diving or going hiking in the mountains or something like that. So each one's got its own fond memory, I think. But. Uh, GTI was a cool machine, and I, I still use it. I don't use it as much, to be honest, now that I'm into working with the Apex this year and using the AT Max, or yeah, the AT Max the year before last. So I kind of bounce around, but I do try to get back to all the different machines periodically. So. Right. Um, I remember first starting, and um, I found a photo the other day, and there's a there's a Garrett metal detector leaning against the the uh, piano, and I'm ho- holding my oldest son, which is now almost 22 years old, and that's 
how I remember when I started detecting. And there's this, I think it's the, it's a GTI. I'd have to look back at the photo. I'm going to have to post it on social media. It's, it's kind of funny, but my son is in diapers there and of all things in the, all things in the photos, this a green detector is leaning against the piano. I thought that was funny. But um, That's hilarious. yeah, those were those were some good machines. Um I used a lot, you know, of the GTI, what was it, fifteen hundred and um well I guess it was two models. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. Uh, I think I used yeah. all of those at that time uh, to try them out. I had uh, owned a brick-and-mortar uh, metal detecting store back then. But um, yeah, You were back in what, Galveston now. when you had your, your store down there in that area? I was, yes. I was in Galveston, and uh, I think that photo was actually taken at my parents' house in East Texas. And, of course, every time I go to East Texas, I've got to find a place to, <laughs> to dig. But, uh, yeah. Um, it, it's funny to look back at those photos and those old memories of what you found with different detectors because they bring back so much. And it's amazing to see how technology has, um, you know, evolved through the years and where it is now. So, Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the old timers that were going out and hitting in the 60s and 70s, I mean, those first fields they went into, I mean, you didn't have to have much of a detector to start pulling out, you know, just That's Revolutionary right. War and Civil War stuff by the bucket full, you know. Oh, man. So now you got to work a little harder and have a little more technology when you go back out there, you know. You really do. It's, it's really changed so much over the years. So, Amanda, I know you've got another question for Steve. Yes, Steve, where, I don't, I don't think I heard you say it, but where, what state are you in? I'm in Texas. I'm in North Texas. Uh, our uh, manufacturing plant is in Garland, which is part of the Dallas, you know, Metroplex. And I'm just on the north side of that in Denton County, uh, Denton, Louisville area. So I'm a little bit of a drive from the factory, but I like being a little bit out of the, the heart of the big city. So uh, born and raised in Texas. I only lived outside the state for about three and a half years when my job transferred me to uh, North Carolina where uh, one of my daughters was born out there. But other than that, um, most of my family's always been from Texas for six or seven generations back. So happy to be back here. Yeah. So what type of, uh, like predominantly, what type of detecting do you do? Are you fields or yards or I don't know? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I do all types. Uh, with, with the COVID in place here, you know, I've got to slip out to a couple of farms that friends have let us go on to just so we can social distance and stay away from people. Uh, but, you know, on a weekend deal, I'll, I'll hook up with a couple of buddies and we'll go into Dallas or Fort Worth or, or one of the other smaller North Texas cities and, you know, do scrape lots or look for permissions on old home sites. Nice. Um, but, of course, my love is, is traveling around. You know, I've done a trip or two with, you know, Gypsy where we've done some digging with lots of other people. And I, I'm happy if I can go to a historic farm or plantation where I could just go daylight to dark you know I'll, I'll put my food in my backpack give me a couple of water bottles and i'm good for the entire day as, you know, as long as i can find something every couple of hours or so that's really cool then i'm just i'm fueled for the whole day because i've, I've kind of since i was a kid always been outdoorsy i mean we'd go hack trails through the woods for bikes and then motorcycles and then four-wheelers and we'd hunt and we'd fish and we just explore the woods, catching animals or snakes or whatever. And, you know, back in the in the days, you know, 50-odd years ago, that's what you did. You just did whatever you could for fun. You didn't have cell phones. You didn't have electronics. You didn't have video games. So, uh, and I'm still that way. I mean, my youngest baby, he's in high school, and uh, he's in scouts. So I've done a lot of scout camping with him. And I'm cool with that. I mean, just go out, put up a tent, put up a, a hammock. And while the boys are off doing their thing, and of course, I got my metal detector, and off I go through the forest looking for stuff, you know. So, I always love being outdoors, and detecting just kind of goes hand in hand with that. That's great, right? I think that's so um, in that's in so many of us that are hardcore detectorists. I think um, I know Amanda is, and and me from a very very young age. My father had me digging. <laughs> and old dumps and finding old bottles and stuff. Um, I've always loved to dig in the dirt, <clears throat> even when I was in diapers. <laughs> but, um, and, and never, I was always the last one. I would wait till dark before I hated to go inside. And uh, I, I find myself like you, Steve, I'm, I'm always the last one that wants to leave. Uh, when I'm out digging and detecting, I'm just, it's so hard for me to just stop. I could just keep yeah. keep going on into the night. <laughs> well, for me, it's just it's the adventure of exploring too. It's like especially if I'm in another country and we've got a massive chunk of land. I want to see what's over the next hill or through that next valley or through that creek or whatever. And you know, some people they're the type they'll get a couple of good buttons or a relic or a coin, and they'll just hunker down. They'll just work that spot for six hours, and and, and they'll usually scratch up some more good stuff. And I'm not opposed to doing that, but I'm also, I'm a wanderer, and they, they make fun of me because I'll, I'll cover half the plantation this day if, if we've got a thousand acres. <laughs> yeah. until, until I just lock onto some little place that really says, okay, you need to slow down, boy, and just stay here for a while. I, oh, this, that's so you know, It's just what, what's over that next ridge over there that I haven't explored yet. I've got to go find out, you know. <laughs> right. That's so funny because, you know, 
Steve is a tall guy, and I'm really short, so I've noticed the last couple times we've dug together, you know, he can be, you know, a mile further than me in no time with those long legs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, But it's weird because I I get poked fun at a lot, but, uh, you know, again, for moving around so much, but sometimes I've made my best stuff by going to the oddball places. We did a portside in Missouri years ago, and, and the iron patch was near where the fort pretty much was known to be near the creek, and we hunted that, but a lot of clubs and people had hunted it for years and years, and, it, you know, we weren't scratching much out of the iron, so what do I do? I start wandering down the creeks and over the hills and ended up finding some old cemetery like half mile away and going around the outskirts, you know, a couple hundred yards away from the cemetery into the hills. And I hit a eight real out there, a, a Mexican mint uh, eight real, big silver coin. And I thought it immediately I had a silver dollar until I, I kind of looked and said, and that bird's kind of scrawny and sick looking. What, what's wrong with that eagle, you know? And I kind of, you know, wiped it off a little bit and realized, oh, it's, it's a it's a real, a Mexico City mint, and it kind of has the Republic of Mexico on it. And But it was a phenomenal find that if I would have stayed right at that fort site and not wandered off, I wouldn't have found it. And I've got dozens of stories like that, but yeah, I mean, 50% of the time, the guys that stay in one spot and don't move, they find better stuff than me, but the other 50% of the time, I end up finding something cool, you know, so. Exactly. I mean, I'm an explorer, too, and and by nature, and and, uh, people are always asking me, well, how did you find those dumps, or how did you find that area, or how did you find that other home site on the property? Well, by venturing out and Wandering off, you know, that's the only way to find those areas is by exploring, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you get the maps and the overlays and all the stuff you can do, and you know, okay, there was maybe two or three houses on this property, but, I mean, you know, it goes on, on really big places with lots of history, you know, maybe more so other places than right around here. And some of those really old places, you may find an old campsite or something else that nobody even knew was there. You don't know until you go find that iron patch or stumble into some goodies out there, you know. So, so true. have the fun exploring. <laughs> <laughs> right. I agree. Um, Amanda, we've got a question in the chat. You want to read it? Or? Um, sure. Okay. I think I think I saw two, but I'll oh, ask this first one. Okay. Um, Mike Fusan wants to know, what is the most memorable detecting trip, um, Steve, that you have been on out of the States? Out of the States, okay. Yeah, there's a couple that come to mind in Texas, so I'll skip that. Um, that's a good one. Um, going overseas the first few times, uh, they wanted me to write about metal detecting in Europe and places like that, so I got to travel to a lot of different countries. Um, you know, finding first Roman artifacts or Roman coins was really cool. Uh, I always enjoy England. You know, they have such good detecting laws, you know, where it favors the landowners and the finders and things are preserved and, you know, if they don't want it, they give it back to you. So I love places like that, but any, anywhere I can explore that's different, uh, I love it. Um, first time going to Australia to see Warren and some of our buddies over there was just phenomenal. You know, we did some miners camps and did a little prospecting and even did some beach hunting. So, um, Gosh, to put put a finger on what was the best one or the most exciting is kind of tough, just in general like that. 
I could probably put a finger on a Texas site easier than I could one overseas because going back to what I said earlier, any new country, any new little random town out in the middle of nowhere where we're digging some medieval site, I'm I'm done. I'm good for the day. Just let me be. Get away from me. Let me go hunt. <laughs> I'm good, you know. So it's all good. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I think we had a couple more questions in in chat. Um, one of them is by our friend George, and he was wondering uh, how did you um, like. Uh, digging in his neck of the woods, which would be in his neighborhood, uh, which would be uh, Virginia, Culpeper. Oh, digging up in Culpeper in Virginia. Uh, love it. You know, it, it's obviously, it's night and day there. You can have pockets in the woods where it's pretty easy and great going, and anybody that's dug in Culpeper knows that it's got that wicked, nasty red iron dirt that it, it could be highly mineralized, which is no big deal, but in Culpeper, the mineralization changes continually, consistently within inches or feet or yards of, of where you swing. So you got to continually ground balance a you know a regular machine like a VLF or even a pulse machine. Right. You know you got to ground balance it, and even a pulse will, will get out of whack out there in that dirt. Sometimes all the time, sometimes periodically. Just depends on how severe the field is you're in. I mean, where the ground will literally stick to a magnet if you put a magnet down on it. It's, it's that hot and it's that magnetic. Uh, wow. It was eye-opening to me the first time going out there, and, and I had I don't know what it was an AT Pro or a couple or one of the machines that had a digital number on it, probably the Pro. And I was testing stuff and hitting one of the fields out there in a cornfield, and I dug a few pieces of iron, and then all of a sudden I dug a mini ball, you know, I don't know what it was six or eight inches deep, and it read like double zero or zero one, and it just blew me away <laughs> wow. that. All target ID is 100% out the window, gone, when something gets more than a couple yeah. inches deep in that nasty dirt. So, uh, yeah, George, for anybody that lives out that way, it, it's a whole new ball game. But the, because of it, the ground is rich with targets. And, uh, you know, plow up a field, and there's probably going to be more stuff to find out there again the following year. And that's why people keep having hunts there year after year after year. So, right. very cool place. Keeps on, keeps on giving. <laughs> as, as technology gets changes and stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, and and you know if it's a good place like that, so rich in history, where you had armies camp for all of the winter or, or for long periods of time, you're going to find pockets of stuff that people have missed. Um, you know, turn the ground up again, it changes. Just go back over a different direction, you might find just a little squeak you missed before, and that one little deep squeak may turn out to be one of the coolest things you ever dug, you know? Right, definitely. So, Amanda, you had a question, I think. Yeah. For so, I, you had said, you know, in the beginning when you were introducing yourself that you are a, um, a writer. Can you tell us about some of the books that you've written? and where we might be able to find them? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got a website that's uh, Stephen L. Moore, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, middle initial L, Moore.com. Uh, that just got some general information on some of the books I've done. Uh, probably doesn't have the most recent ones because I don't find time to keep it up often or make it even look good. But 
Oh, gosh, I've been doing this 25 years or so. Um, I've always kind of had a knack for writing since I was a kid. I did work on school papers and worked in advertising, you know, high school and college and all that. And just eventually my love for history kind of became a writing knack where I got a chance to work with uh, this World War II group, um, an aviation group that served on the carriers in the Pacific. And they wanted help writing a book, so I helped them put out their book, like a coffee table type book with lots of pictures of all the action and the attacks and the carrier battles they fought in. And um, I've done a number of World War II books over the years. I think my total counts up to 20 books now, and that 20th one's coming out this fall, and it's also a, a World War II book. And some of them I've, I've set out to write, and others kind of fell into my lap over the years. Uh, this one kind of fell into my lap because I've done several books on uh, carrier aviation, fighter pilots, bomber pilots, and stuff like that. You guys contacted me and said, hey, i got a buddy that wants me to get a signed autograph book from you. He's, he's a World War II vet. And I said, oh, that's great. What's his name? And he told me, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, he was an ace, you know, one of these guys that shot down at least five or more enemy aircraft and fought in the Pacific. Wow. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. And we started talking. And he said, well, I'm part of the American Fighter Aces Association, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, I've, I've got the list American Fighter Aces in America and in contact with a bunch of them. So it just, it became, I've got to talk to these guys. I mean, they're 95, wow. 99 years old. I, I can't pass this chance up while I have it. So uh, that one just came about that way. Most of the other books I've, I've set out with the intention of writing them because I had interest in it, uh, either from an ancestry uh -huh. point of view with Texas history or the Texas revolution. Uh, that's probably the other half. World War II is one big chunk. Texas history is another chunk where I have ancestors that fought at the Battle of San Jacinto and the Revolution and served with the Texas Rangers in the very earliest days. So interest wow. in the subject matter leads to me doing stuff like that. And then, of course, some books for Garrett on metal detecting over the years. So I enjoy writing. It's a side passion, but um, we've all got to have our hobbies, I suppose, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um so, um, I own two of your books. Um, could you list a few of the titles? I know um, you're a big relic hunter as well, so one of the books I have is your relic book. Um, I think it's Quest for Relics. Is that what it is? Uh, relic Quest, yeah. Relic and Quest. one I did uh, a couple of years back was called Uncommon Valor, and it's an uh, uh, uncle-in-law that was in Special Forces in Vietnam, and their missions were to go behind enemy lines and get dropped off and either try to sabotage enemy equipment or grab prisoners or bring them back or gather intelligence. And basically, if they were killed or captured, the government would disavow any knowledge of them being over there. And some of these were brought in by choppers, just a little group of men. They'd put them down in the jungle, and they had to live out there for two or three or four or five days with whatever rations they carried and sometimes the minute they hit the ground, they were under pursuit, you know, by a platoon of men and, and dogs and all kinds of stuff. So just crazy. So I ended up telling that story. Um, a lot of the other ones, like I said, were um, World War II, like Pacific Payback. Uh, the Battle for Hell's Island is another one. 
uh, As Good as Dead came out a few years ago. In fact, uh, the publisher said they're going to reprint that one in paperback uh, in the next six months or so and probably have it in Walmart and stuff like that. That was the escape of 11 prisoners of war that escaped the um, camp where the Japanese decided to massacre all the Americans there. And the only 11 that survived had to go through flames and bullets and, and all kinds of horrible things and swim and run through the jungle. So it, it's an escape story, a survival story. So, you know, each one's it, its own thing, an adventure or something that just entertained me enough to want to tell the story, you know. So wow. that's a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So y'all be sure um, Amanda in chat has um, put his... Um, website on there, stephenlmore.com, uh, a link. So be sure and click on that, and uh, you can also go back in the archives and be able to look at the chat and uh, go back to that link. And um, I think you've already shared uh, our live, go when we went live on Facebook, so y'all can always go back and, and use that link as well. Um, Wow, that's just fascinating, uh, Steve. Um, I admire you. I'm not a writer. I've written some articles, but I've just never been a writer. So I can tell a story. And I guess, you know, if you can just put it down in words, you know, I guess that, that's the thing. I've just never been <laughs> good at that. <laughs> and I think we've all been blessed with one thing or another that we're better at because I know in school when you know, it came to geometry, I was the one in the corner with that dazed and confused look on my face. and just. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Look like I just want to kill myself instead of being in that room, but. You know, that, that just didn't gel with me, but some of the other stuff was easier for me than <laughs> others. So everybody's brain works a different way, I suppose, you know. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, goodness. So one of our typical questions we like to ask each week, um, Steve, is if you could detect anywhere in the world with no, dis- no restrictions, 
Um, I know you've detected all over the world into some many places, but I'm sure you've found out with some of those travels that there's just some places and some things just totally off limits. So um, can you think of one place in the world that you would love to detect without any restrictions? Uh, that's, that, that's a tough one. You know, if there's no restrictions <laughs> and all that, um, I've got ancestry from Ireland and Scotland, and I've never been to either one of those countries. So if I could go over wow. some really ancient villages and nobody stopped me if I dug in all their yards and dug around all their castles and stuff like that, uh, <laughs> that that'd be really cool just to find those old silver coins and to uh, go to see some countries I've never been to that you know some of my people might have come from. Just off the top of my head, that's a couple that come to mind, I guess. Definitely. Ireland One is beautiful. Is it? I've never One day. been yeah, I, I wasn't Someday. detecting at that point. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Looking back, I know back. like, oh, I wish I was. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Definitely. So have you, do you have like um, a white whale or a bucket list or, you know, anything out there that you have yet to find that you're really looking forward to? Uh, always. I mean, everybody's got their bucket list and those white whales. Uh, you know, for mine, living in Texas, I don't have any Republic of Texas era buttons or something like that. That, that You know, you're talking a 10-year period of time where Texas wasn't a state, it wasn't a territory, it was its own country. So it had its own money, it had its own Texas Army, it had its own Texas Navy, you had infantrymen, you had military buttons that you're talking way before the Civil War was even thought about. Uh, so I know some guys that go to those places, and they're, they're few and far between where, where you can find it. So that's kind of my Texas white whale is finding some really cool Republic of Texas buttons or accoutrements like that where you could put a specific 10-year date on it. Um, but then just coins. I love digging coins, and there's plenty of U.S. coins I've never dug. Uh, never dug a two-cent piece. Uh, never dug a Morgan dollar, you know, go on and on and on. You think, oh, he's been everywhere, he's done everything. No, not at all. Um, you did cool things, you know, it's, it, it, it's great to go overseas, but just here in the States, you know, Amanda, where you live up there, you got a better chance of finding a whole bucket full of coins that would be harder for us to find here in Dallas-Fort Worth, you know. Yeah. So it's just how it goes. So you're <laughs> saying you need to come dig in Maine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd come up there for a couple of weeks and run around and test uh, the apex or something like that, you know? Yeah. Make, make sure I can find Definitely. silver with it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, speaking of the apex, I think it's about that time. We've got like 20-some-odd minutes, some of our people that will be popping off here to go to another show. So we want to try to squeeze this in. And then after that, if, if we go over, that's that's fine with me as long as it's with you, Steve, uh, and Amanda. But we try to wrap it up within an hour. But um, testing the apex, um, I know we're, we've been a little restricted, both of us, uh, with the COVID going on. So uh, not being able to travel as much. We kind of discussed that earlier a little. But um, so far, what are your first thoughts on the apex? Um, and um, maybe tell us tell us a little bit more about that, and then we'll take some questions in chat. 
Yeah, I mean, it's obviously really exciting. You know, this is a machine that kind of comes together from a lot of input from our customers, and we do listen to people. You know, we don't always turn that thing around immediately or the next day or even the next year, but we've heard for a while that people want uh, more choices on frequencies and to have multi-frequency. So this is a machine that answers a lot of that and also brings in a number of other, you know, features and components that are really cool. You know, the price range for under $500 that keeps it affordable, maybe not for every single person, but for a lot more people than all the flagship detectors that are out there. So uh, we're kind of on a roll to keep working on our line and keep making improvements over the next years. But uh, this is the first uh, really significantly different machine that we've done in a while. And I love a lot of things about it, and I'm enjoying testing it so far to answer your question. Um, more places I want to go and test it, I can't wait to do. I'm planning on you know, taking some of the family to do a road trip in uh, July to go to the beach, so I will definitely be playing around at the salt water with it. Um, personally, I haven't done that yet, so I'm not going to speak about how great or whatever it is, but you know, I'm sure it will be great. But I want to go for a few days where I can just be silent and chill out and just hunt and not be bothered. Um, I, I'm the type, I'll get up let you know people sleep in until whatever time they sleep in and I'll be out there at five in the morning, you know, long before daylight just because nobody's gonna mess with me and I'm just in my own little harmony, you know, digging and testing and stuff like that. <laughs> right. So um, I don't even know if I know what the question was anymore. <laughs> I just got off on the <laughs> of the apex. Yeah, we so go ahead if you have any question. other questions. Let's Yeah. Okay. We actually have a question in chat. I'm gonna let Amanda take that one if she wants. Um, let's see. So with, with the new audio, uh, how can you describe the tones in pro zero settings? Yeah. So, uh, this has five audio tones on it for identity. Whereas the gear it's most people are used to, we've had three on there, like a low for iron and a medium and then a high. So, this one's got a low tone and then kind of a low slash mid and then a mid tone and then a kind of medium high-ish tone and then a high tone. So you can hear the different sounds of the pitch as you swing a nickel or a penny or a dime or a piece of iron or foil or something like that. You, like any other machine, you have to start learning uh, what the new sounds are and what they mean. But um, I'm liking you know, the high tone sound of, of silver when you get into that. And, of course, everybody knows target orientation, ground mineralization, depth of target, all that kind of stuff come into play on target ID for any machine, not just Garrett. So, you know, there's, there's cases where the machine's going to give you a wacky sound or signal, and you, and you dig it up, and you go, oh, my God, look at that. I, I didn't expect to see a, you know, silver half dollar, but, you know, it was 12 inches deep or something crazy on its edge, so it gave you a weird signal. But uh, the audio is cool. Um, the iron volume is probably my favorite thing with it. You can adjust the overall uh, target volume for your headphones and all that, but you can turn down the sound of the iron, so turn up the good stuff, turn down the the less important stuff. Uh, we hunted a, uh, an old site over the weekend that goes back into the mid-1800s, and there's tons of iron, so it was really cool to hear it, but to listen to the good stuff coming out of the bad stuff, you know, so... A lot of cool stuff with the audio uh, to answer that question. 
that's one of my favorite uh, things about this machine and the five tones as well. It just, I love hearing the different uh, tones as well as the different nuances, you know, that you hear with different signals. And then especially uh, like this last week, I was hunting in some of those high iron infested places where old homesteads were and still able to pick out things and single out targets. But not only that, um, the uh, speed recovery on that is the, um, sorry, I was looking at my question here. Um, it's just amazing how fast of a recovery speed you have on that as well, especially when hunting in those high, high iron-infested areas. So I'm really pleased with that. But that brings me to another question that someone has in the chat. They want to know if you can adjust the recovery speed. Um, On the Apex, uh, no, it's not adjustable. And, you know, the one you've got, Gypsy, I know you've been doing some testing for us. We've got a number of other uh, select people doing some testing and giving us input. And we'll make adjustments on that. So we kind of noted when we did the announcement uh, middle of last month, then it would be a couple months, you know, it'd be sometime probably in July that we'll start ramping up and getting ready, getting ready to do production. But that's what we're doing. We're, I mean, we're actively having people like you and me and other people do all kinds of various testing, and then we'll make little adjustments and improvements, and that's a normal part of what Garrett does. So right. people go, oh, they've already talked about it. It should be out next week. No, we, we talked about <laughs> it. It's coming soon, and, and that's exactly what we're doing is, is testing it. So. The recovery speed you see on yours, you know, maybe a little faster when we finish and get to the point where we're happy with it. But it, it's got a good speed. Um, you know, it's probably not going to beat the fastest jet boat out there on the planet, but it's a lot lower price. So it's going to have a much faster reactivity or target separation than any previous Garrett Ace. So you know, put it in perspective with its price and what it has. It's more about the flexibility on this machine, but it, it's got very good speed. So, but no, it's not um, adjustable to answer that question. Yeah, I'm really pleased with the speed right now. Uh, in some of the areas, I was actually impressed. So, um, but like you said, that may vary as y'all do some more adjusting and tweaking. Um, yeah, so I've, and you more. probably experienced this, but I've dug several good targets mixed in with junk. Um, you know, I popped out a nail or some kind of tack, and then I'm like, no, that wasn't what I heard. And then, you know, keep rooting around the hole with the pinpointer, and, and there's the coin or the good target that was right there in that junk. Mm -hmm. So it, that it's cool so to have that true. separation. It really is. It separates just magnificently there in the iron. And just for an example, that very first coin I dug with the apex, there was a nail right in that uh practically laying on top of that uh, Indian, and yet I could still hear that Indian and still hear that there was iron in the target, but yet I knew that that nail was not the target I was going for, so that was just really, really a nice surprise and very pleasing. Very cool. <laughs> uh, let's see, we've got a few more questions here. Uh, you want to ask the next one, Amanda? I must have missed the next one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, can I see AT Platinum coming out soon? Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So we do have a lot of AT uh, users that are actually here in the chat as well. And I know that you keep getting asked this, but you kind of alluded to in the um, initial um, thing live that, you know, Garrett is working on, you know, how to advance and how to, you know, and started with the ACE uh, line, which I think that's a fabulous way to start uh, because there's so many people that use the ACEs and have started with the ACEs, and I think it's a great way for them to, um, like you said, for that price, um, I think it's a, you know, a great way for them to um, jump up, you know, if they have the uh, 300 or, or the 200 and advance up to um, a machine that offers so much uh, amazing technology for that price. Yeah, right. And, you know, the ACEs have been around for a while, but it, it's such a fabulous machine. I mean, I remember Mr. Garrett telling me stories when, you know, they're first getting it ready to roll out. And there was a treasure ace that you probably remember, Gypsy, that precedes what we call the current ace generation out there. But when he put out the 250 and all that, he got some flack. He got a call from one of the other manufacturers, and, and they all know each other back in the day. But it's like, Charles, what are you doing? What, what do you think you're doing putting out this much stuff at such a low price? And he kind of set a new bar for hey, affordability and really good performance in a machine that's really easy. So that's kind of rung true with that series, whether it's the Euro Ace or the Ace 400 or, or whichever machine it might be. So this is the Apex. This is the pinnacle of, of the Ace line. It's still uh, in the affordability range, but this has got more packed into it from wireless to backlight to big numbers to 175 points of ground balance to you know, A to Z is in this machine for a good price. So, I mean, that, that's a game changer there. Uh, certainly, we know and we expect to hear from lots of customers going, oh, I'm disappointed it can't go 20 feet deep. It's not fully submersible. Uh, yeah, the coil and stem are submersible. It's fully brain-proof. But um, are we going to put out a fully submersible multi-frequency detector and all that? And like I alluded to, we'd love to hear from our customers and get the feedback. So I think based on the popularity of the Apex and how this does and what people ask for, that's going to lead to new stuff and better stuff in different directions. Uh, when we when right. we did the uh, broadcast on May 15th, you know, I said we'd do a survey, and we did blast that out uh, within a week or so or a few days after the announcement, and I'm still just going back through what's come in, and we had a tremendous volume of responses. So thank you to everyone that took the time to fill out the survey questions for us, and we do look at that stuff. We will look at that and read the responses, and that will help us decide what kind of coil do you want in the future for this machine? What kind of detector features do you want on a different machine you know, down the road? So, uh, yeah, I've got a pretty good pulse on what people want in, in future stuff, but we always want to hear right. from as many people as we can. So, so thanks for that question. So what, what is awesome. the price point range on it? Um, the Apex detector? It lists at four ninety nine ninety five. So you know, here in the states, I'm going to expect a street price, you know, from a dealer probably as low as four hundred and twenty five bucks. So that that's probably a pretty good average on it. Uh, that's the basic package with the detector and, and the coil cover that comes with it. 
if you want to go to the fully wireless package, it's at uh, five seventy nine. So it, it's going to have a street price in the four nineties range. I'd have to do the math real quick to figure it out, but you know, a, a really good price where you'd save you know a good chunk of money ever buying the headphones separately later. So any dealer that you talk to would give you the A and B price with and without the wireless headphones. So two options, just geared on keeping it affordable. It does have a one-eighth inch headphone jack in the back, which is different than a lot of Garrett's. Uh, yes, there'll be an adapter you could plug into that if you already have your favorite set of quarter-inch headphone jack headphones you want to use. But if you want to go to Walmart or Target and grab a set of earbuds or something that normally come with an eighth-inch jack, you can just plug those bad boys right in there. Or since it's wireless, you could put a, a Z-Link box on you know, whatever set of headphones you love the most and, and go wireless with those guys. So a uh, full range of options on the headphones there and, and two different price points to pick from to get you started. Right. I love what y'all have done there uh, because I get asked that question, and I know you have too, so uh, we keep repeating ourselves ab- about uh you know, what kind of headphones can they use with that? But having that, you know, being able to put an adapter in there and use what, whatever type of headphones that they have already. Uh, but I will say that uh, Garrett has went through the trouble to put uh, the um, technology in there that you can spend just a little bit more money and uh, get the wireless uh, Z-Link headphones um, with the package, and if you have not gone wireless yet, you really are missing. Because I don't know how many times I've been out in the woods and that you know cord has hung on a branch, and it just slows you down. It's just such a game changer. So that's something you may want to consider to just go ahead yep. and and spend a little more money and do that from the beginning. That way, you're not backtracking later. Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had headphones ripped off my head, you know, from barbed wire fences or briars or thorns. And uh, being wireless is awesome. And I can tell you folks, Gypsy will hang with anybody out there. I've been through some nasty thickets and a couple of fort sites we hunted with her. And you look back and she's not phased in the least. So she's a hardcore trooper and digger. So if you ever get a chance to dig with her, uh, certainly do so. But, um, yeah, and, and the Z-Link, you know, I'll, I'll note that the speed is what makes it really good. So, you know, ours is up to six times faster than conventional Bluetooth. So there's a lot of other machines that have wireless-ready, more Bluetooth-type speed to them. So that means at a certain swing speed, you're going to be past that target when you hear it. Ours is virtually zero um, lag time. So that means you're right on the target when you hear it uh, at different swing speeds. So it means a good bit if you're not having to go back and dig a bigger hole because your wireless is too slow and it couldn't get the target. So uh, that, that's right. part of the, the power of the Z-Link. So one more good feature built into that Apex. It really is. Um, so if you all have not tried, if you do have a Garrett and haven't tried the Z-Link, I encourage you to do so. But I love it that it's built in to this machine. Um, it's, oh, I love it. We have a few more questions in chat. Um, one was, um, let's see, I can see this in the, oh, let's see, that wasn't really a question. Sorry. 
which is I can see this in the realm of the equinox or what BD3I. Sorry for this question. Do you see any more questions? I know there's a lot of the chat's going by so fast. Yeah. What is the um, battery life of the Apex? You know, the battery life is going to be, you know, up to 15 hours on it, and that's just going to be based on what you're using it and how you're using it. Um, if you've got the Z-Link going, that, that's going to be, you know, a little more battery drain. And any of you guys that have run the AT Max for a while, I mean, you'll know the same thing. You, you've got AA batteries in that guy, but um, if you're really full full sensitivity and you've got the, the wireless going all day long, it's going to take a little more toll on the batteries. But I've done a number of full-day hunts with the thing. I've not had it go dead on me yet. So, me you know, too. if you can get 12 to 15 hours, you know, out in the field, I think that's a great thing. Most of us will say we're, we'll hunt 15, 18-hour days, but odds are most of the time you're going to take a break, you're going to stop and eat somewhere. So if you do right. and it's getting a little bit low, bring a battery pack, uh, just plug it in. I mean, anybody that's got an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever, you know how it is when you travel and you're out in the boonies, you've you got to have a power stick. So that's your backup in case you need it um, or a car charger. But I've not had one go dead on me yet in, in many days of full day hunting. So, so far I'm pretty impressed with it. So I think you will be too. And then how long? And then, Jeff, yeah. you, you've given out <laughs> yeah. quite a bit, so I don't know. Have you had any problem with yours going dead yet or? Oh, no, I, it's, it's been great. Um, I think I charged mine the first day I got it um, for about four hours just to make sure and then went out and I know I took a break in there, but I went out and hit like eight hours and then went back, you know, I, I charged it the next day. <laughs> I didn't charge it, so I charged it some in my car um, just to make sure, but I had no problem. I ha It hasn't gone dead on me. I did bring uh, the little portable solar charger with me just in case. Ended up having yep. to charge my phone on it, not the detector. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so uh, it, yeah, it, 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 I just say it does well. really good. It, it, and my recommendation is with anything like that, if you're going out the next day, just like you know, Gypsy, you know, from making videos, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to charge your GoPro camera or whatever camera you're taking with you. Same thing with a detector like this. Plug it in the night before, make sure it's good to go, and you should be set for the whole day the next day. So just a little bit Definitely. of prep work is all that's involved. And I think that brings well, to Amanda, I may have cut you off. I think you were going to ask no, something else. Yeah, no, I, it actually it leads right to the next question. So David um, wants to know how long is the charge time? Like how long does it take to charge, I'm guessing he's asking? Uh, my experience with that has been about four hours on that. I know that... You can leave it turned on. It might extend that uh, charge time a little bit longer, but if you turn it off, uh, you can do it either way, but I've learned when you turn it off, it charges a little bit faster. So if you plug it in overnight, you're good to go, but in, uh, I think every hour or so a charge is going to get you at least a couple hours in the field, so about four hours supposedly gives it a complete charge. haven't timed it with a stopwatch, but that's what I'm told, so somewhere in that uh, neighborhood right there. About four. So we've got another question in chat, and it kind of goes along with what we were talking about our, uh, what, earlier. But uh, Mike asks, um, 
when the apex was announced, many uh, longtime hunters didn't seem interested because of it being part of the Ace series. Um, once, uh, once the specs came out, and now after seeing the apex in action, he actually went uh, hunting with me and saw it in action while I was using it in these highly iron-infested areas. Uh, he says he found it impressive, and w- and it has everything he is looking for in a detector. How does Garrett convince the public that although this carries the ACE badge that is synonymous with entry level, um, that Apex is much more than that? A really good question. It's something we we thought about for a good while. Uh, We wanted to make sure that we had a very upper echelon to our affordable series and we could have called it something completely different, but we did choose to keep the legacy of the ACE name alive with this machine. Uh, we, we've, you know, taken some heat from a couple other people that are putting out uh, affordable machines in the past couple of years, and some have gone to great lengths to show that Garrett machines are junk. You can't find anything but garbage with Garrett's. And we've got, you know, millions of users that have had ACEs over the years that would prove otherwise about how easy and affordable they are. But is it just another ACE? No, absolutely not. Um, You know, some people, I understand some of the hardcore people don't want to carry a yellow machine for whatever reason, you know, and and they'll put a a cover-up on it to make it look less yellow. So we kind of strip back some of the yellow. It's kind of a black-colored machine with just kind of what I'd call like a racing stripe, like a NASCAR, IndyCar racing stripe to it of that gold-yellow color that's synonymous with ACE. But when you look at it, you know, like you're saying, Gypsy, and pick it up, I mean, it's two and a half pounds with the big Viper coil that comes with it. You know, when we put a smaller coil out, it's going to be a featherweight when you pick that thing up. With the little slim box, the, the giant numbers on the screen, old-timers like me that are having to wear glasses more often, hey, it's easy to see those numbers in the field. Um, having the choice, you know, the, the multi-flex uh, frequency, I can pick 5, 10, 15, 20 kilohertz. I can go to multi-frequency. I can go to multi-frequency salt. There's pros and cons to using single versus multi and all the great stuff that comes with each one. But the, the real benefit is the choice. So if you're nugget hunting and you just decide I want high frequency like 20 and that's what I want, do it. It's your choice. You go after it that way. Uh, having a backlight, I love to hunt at night. I, I love having that on AT Max. I love that this machine has it. Um, the iron audio, the iron volume, the high resolution ground balance. There's so many features like that that don't come on any of the aces. It's it's you know the pinnacle or the apex, kind of like it suggests. It, it's leaps and bounds above the other aces. Uh, I mean, it puts you right up on par with some other brands' machines that cost a lot more. Uh, it certainly has more flexibility than the other machines in this price range and even lower that have a single multi-frequency or have a single independent frequency. You know, having the choice of six, you got to get into a lot more expensive machine to have that much flexibility and that many options and to have all this cool stuff. Um, so 
good question. You know, well thought out, and, and we did put a lot of thought into that on, on keeping the name Ace, and we decided to do that because it's a powerful series. You know, Charles Garrett stood by it, thought a lot about it, and he got some ridicule when it first came out, and one or two people that were longtime sellers for him said, Charles, you're never going to sell a yellow-colored machine. Well, I think he's proved him wrong over the years. And uh, <laughs> this one, this one, I'd say, you know, unfortunately, all the field tests and, and the big rallies we had planned for April, May, and June, you know, we're not having them right now because of the health crisis. But when those things come back around or when we have the Charles Garrett hunt this next year or any big event in the fall, you know, we'll, we'll have test lanes set up if they'll let us. And I'd say just come check it out, you know, keep an open mind uh, if you haven't tried it. Give it a swing. Come listen to some targets. See what you think, and uh, you might be surprised. It's a pretty awesome machine. It really is. And I have a comment real quick about the yellow and the orange. You know, as people call it, the Garrett carrot. Um, just this last week, um, I was letting a friend use one of my um, pinpointers, and she dropped it out in the woods and she had to go find it and I told her it's a good thing it's bright orange because it'll help you find it and sure enough she found it you know and I think it's kind of the same way with the detector um the color never bothered me at all because I mean yeah you could always put a little cover over it to cover the yellow if you don't want to be seen but uh there are times you have to walk away from your detector and it's easy to just walk right back to it with that color so and to me it's just sporty but that's me so uh anyway someone in the chat just said that they cover theirs in camo uh but you know whatever your preference is but i I like the color that's absolutely i mean there's if you go to lowe's or home depot there's a ton of cool tools and hand drills and power stuff that's kind of in that same kind of color scheme and they stand out, like you said, on the construction sites or in the work site. Um, exactly. But I, I get it. I totally get it. Some people don't want to carry that. Uh, a couple of people have probably seen a video or two I've been in in the past, you know, six months where I went back and started using the AT Pro. And my son has one that somebody uh, camo dipped for me in, like, the mossy oak pattern. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's all kind of cool, but they wanted too much money to do a whole bunch of them for us. So we just did a couple yeah. of test ones. I love it. Um, other people wouldn't have a camo detector or, you know, a breast cancer awareness pink detector. I've seen some cool ones done that way. So everybody's got their own preference. You know, if you don't like yellow, spray paint it. Put the camo dip on it. You know, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> but uh, exactly. don't let a little black and yellow scare you away from trying the Apex is all I'd, I'd challenge people, you know. Definitely. Most definitely. Um, so do we have any more questions in chat or are we nearing, cause we're a little past eight. Um, anybody have any questions? Go ahead and drop it in there. And do you have any more questions for him, um, Amanda? Um, other areas on social media that you can be found? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, that's the two that I do the most. Uh, a lot of detecting people are connected to me there. And, of course, Garrett's got Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and YouTube channel and all that. I do some uh, videos periodically. i got just a little channel called More Adventures. I'm not out to be a YouTuber or 
anything or do the kind of stuff like, you know, Gypsy and all you other guys do. But my son got GoPro years ago, and he wanted to make videos. So I'll put up one every once in a while, but I don't put any effort into being fancy. Um, I put up one or two little things on the Apex with it. But um, occasionally you'll find something there. But that, that's, you know, the main place you'll find me or, or the book stuff on the website that you mentioned earlier. Uh, other than that, give me a shout at Garrett if you need something. We'll be happy to answer your questions. If I can't answer it, there's engineers and customer service people down the hall that are smarter than me that I can go get an answer from. So we love hearing from you guys. Uh, appreciate the questions tonight. And if you have any more, fire them at me. If not, then I'll let you guys do what you do to wrap it up, you know. All right. Well, we sure thank you, um, Steve, for being here tonight, taking the time. Thank you all who had questions. We did have one more question, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if we should ask that or not. It's up to you, Amanda. <laughs> Steve, if you could be and dress up as a superhero and go metal detecting, who would you be and why? <laughs> Oh gosh, I have to think about this for a minute. <laughs> that's that's one totally out of the blue. Uh, right. I don't know. I'll, just, I'll say I'll say Batman just out of the blue because I, I used to love that when I was a kid. You know. Right. Went out and fighting crime, and you know. There you the Joker go. And, and the you like, <laughs> Right, and you like to detect at night. So there you go. Uh, there you go. There's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, we kind of ended on a silly note. So um, <laughs> Bill said he knew it. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> all right, thank you all for listening, and you all have a wonderful night. And join us again next Monday night, same time, same bat channel. And uh, tomorrow night uh, with uh, Mike. And I think Dorian, um, as they talk about some history and metal detecting, y'all be sure, same time, they same that channel. Thank you all, and good night. Thanks, all. Good night. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Steve. Thank As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.